This episode of the YVR Screen Scene Podcast is sponsored by the Union of British Columbia Performers. UBCP is an autonomous branch of the Alliance of Canadian Cinema, Television, and Radio Artists. For more about UBCP Actra, visit ubcp.com. That's ubcp.com. This episode was sponsored in part by listeners like you. Join our Patreon community and receive early access to episodes, bonus content, stickers, buttons, and more. Visit www.patreon.com slash Podcast. Welcome to the YVR Screen Scene Podcast. I'm your host, Sabrina Furminger. My mission is to pull back the curtain on Vancouver's film and television industry and expose its beating heart, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom style, by getting deep and down and a little dirty with the actors and filmmakers and other talented artists who do the work. Capital T. Today, I am delighted to welcome Brian Markinson back to the YVR Screen Scene Podcast. There was a time when I was too scared to interview Brian Markinson. He played assholes, bastards, and cruel, cruel meanies on all of my favorite shows, like Sanctuary, and Arctic Air, and Continuum, and Romeo Section. I loved watching him do his thing, but I couldn't imagine having an actual conversation with him. Too scary! My, how times have changed. Now, I can't get enough of Brian. He appeared in one of our most popular episodes from our first season, and he spoke with what I now recognize as his signature grace and wit and kindness about his proclivity for playing assholes, bastards, and cruel meanies, about how he works to humanize them, understand them, and empathize with them, even when they don't align with his own progressive and loving view of the universe. So I've invited Brian back to the podcast lab to talk about his latest role, that of Book. Book? Book. 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 Charles Book Bukansky. Bukansky, not Bukowski. I know. I, s- I used to say it too. We would have to cut because I, I would. that would be my sort of knee jerk. Yeah. Bukansky. Bukansky. Book. Book. Book on tribal the aptn series tribal let's not let that get lost tribal is important tribal premiered on aptn on february 20th and to showrunner ron e scott's first outing after his critically acclaimed blackstone concluded in 2015 tribal stars jessica matten as sam woodburn a young indigenous woman who is appointed chief of tribal police in the wake of a corruption scandal and finds herself forced to partner with book A grizzled, racist, angry, white asshole cop from the nearby (laughs) Metropolitan Police Force. It's pretty much a Brian Markinson role. Redundant. (laughs) (laughs) I've watched the first two episodes of Tribal. It's entertaining, but it also seems important given the current climate, where the relationship between the Canadian government and First Nations people is very strained and where earnest ideas about reconciliation seems like a distant memory. So I'm going to grill dear Brian about Book and invite his opinion on how a show like Tribal can move the conversation forward. Brian Markinson. 
Hello. Welcome back to the YVO Screen Scene Podcast. I am so excited. Have there been other two timers? Am, am I? I'm one of. I'm one of the. You're two-timers. one of the first. We had Luvia. Luvia. Luvia was a two timer. Two. I don't want to call you guys the two timers. Um, the return guest. The, the return sequel. Guests. And uh, we have Ryan Robbins coming tomorrow. Of course, love, love, um, love. I do want to give a disclaimer, however, to our listeners. So regular listeners of the podcast are aware that we essentially record in an alley. Uh, we are used to hearing the angry organic Whole Foods drivers. Like they are so upset delivering their kale <laughs> and their smoothies. It's something very very i don't know like stimulating like can you put yourselves in the in the shoes of a driver for for whole foods i used to live on the ninth floor in (laughs) manhattan and it's just that it's just that walla that is constantly there Exactly. So it's, it's, so it's they're used to that. Present. So we have a little bit more, a different kind of Walla today. Um, they're they're doing some construction in the math school next door. They're making it more mathy, and uh, they only oh ever God. we keep trying to move our recording time, and it doesn't matter. It's only ever when I hit record. You lost me at math. It, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> they lost me as well. They brought over some chocolates and I'm like, we're going to be doing some some construction work. Here's some chocolate. We're like, yay, that's great. And now I'm like, damn it, I wish we hadn't have accepted. So there will be some sounds, but these are really good mics. Mm-hmm. So Brian and I are going to be all up in the mic. So you will be able to hear us, but sometimes you will also hear some construction sounds um, that sound like farts. I have to say, you that introduction, you can write. I, I, I think you found the the <laughs> the right the right business beautifully written. Thank you. Yeah. Can, can I can I say to you? Yeah. I think you you're pretty good at this acting thing. Uh, <laughs> it depends on who you talk to. Well, I I have seen you in a lot of roles, a lot of assholes, uh, and I've also seen you at a lot of events and uh, there there does seem to be a big gulf between the Brian Markinson on screen and the Brian Markinson who I just can't wait to interview now so can, can we talk about tribal yes please let's talk about tribal I mean I love the compliments you can keep mm, those coming mm, mm, but mm. let's talk about tribal so uh, had you worked with Ron Scott before uh, no I had never worked with Ron um, I've had a lot of friends who've worked with Ron, who did Blackstone, That's uh, right. uh, Vince Gale, Cassini, Lori Triolo. There's a whole, uh, a few people who have, uh, uh, Michelle Thrush. Oh, I love Michelle Thrush. Love Michelle Thrush. <laughs> um, Jessica as well. Um, it was her first job. And to a man, I had heard how amazing a guy he was. Yeah. That if you, you know, he's a problem solver, he's a dreamer. Um, a guy you want to be in the trenches with, yeah. And uh, so, yeah, that's making the, making television in Canada is a little bit like being in the trenches. Absolutely, yeah. And making making dollars stretch and making time stretch, and it's a mad. It's it really is a magic act in a sense. Yeah. It's easy to 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 when you have problems, which is. W- what it is i mean it's a it is a it's problem all problems. exactly that needs to be solved yeah. that's a television show and if you have a lot of money you it's easy just to throw money at it but if you don't you have to throw ingenuity and hard work and uh and that's what we were faced with yeah but i had been sent three scenes not even the first script and i read the three scenes and i called up my agent and i said i get this guy i'm not 
really the prototype. The prototype was a bigger, older, fatter dude than I am. Like an old, you know, I won't I won't mention any names, but there are there are prototypes out there for that old detective. I love that he actually when I interviewed him for the print article, he totally mentioned some names. Okay, but the <laughs> <laughs> But I'm not going to mention them I'm here. I'm not going to mention them either. <laughs> Um, but but yes, there was a there was a prototype for like the kind of the big blustery, old, you know, yeah. jaded old We've seen cop him. guy. Yeah, but I thought that I had an understanding of where the root of this guy was with these three scenes, and I put them on tape. I looked like a homeless dude. I had a full beard and straggly hair, and I thought, eh. oh, because you were filming all joking, all aside. joking aside. Yeah, so I looked like a bit of a homeless dude. Yeah, so. Um, but I, Ron, to his credit, like he saw, he he saw the idea, and he was open to it. And then I had, then I pushed a little bit, and I said, "Look, please tell him I'm very, very interested in this." And we sat down. I'm sorry, that's you being aggressive. Please tell him I'm interested. Please. I, listen, <laughs> you've learned nothing from lo- the characters you played. It's been a long time since I lived in New York. I've got stories when I first landed here, boy. I yeah. was, I was, uh, yeah. My my temper was uh, legion. I can't even imagine. Well, I can't imagine because we see it on screen. You see it. Yeah. So, but in my life, it was. Yeah, I have I have more of a handle on that now. Okay, but I just want to go before you you talk about your first conversation yeah. with Ron. What was it? about this particular asshole, Buk, mm. where you're like, I, I see this guy, like I know this guy, I, like, I, which I, I take to mean I wanna be this guy. Yeah. You know, what was it that was made him so well, one delicious? Of the scenes, one of the scenes was from the first episode where, I, uh, where he comes out and says to her, you're a face and an ass and an Indian. I hate that line. Of course, but I, but I thought, wow, I mean, anybody who has the gall to actually say those words because the type of racism um, that that indigenous peoples people of color face in North America in South America all over the world it uh, yes I mean in its most extreme form you got people screaming the n-word and blah blah blah, blah. Mm-hmm. but much much more often it's insidious and it's in and and not not called what it is, which happens up here a lot. So I thought, well, I was. We are it, much more polite here with our racism. I believe so. Yeah, but it's still racism. Oh yeah, listen, I've been, I've been in the locker room of the YMCA years and years ago with my with my father in law, God bless him, um, who's now passed, who was a lovely guy, and just listening to the the old white guy network talk the way they talked. Yeah. So I thought, this guy says it. Like he comes out and says it. He, and I also thought that I could find an in to why, why people become this way out of fear, out of ignorance. And I thought, well, I think I can help paint a portrait of this guy. Yeah. And that underneath everything else, we also have an opportunity. This is an interesting prison to look at that world through, you know. And I thought, well, by the end of this season, he starts to shift. And I thought, well, if this guy can shift, then can't we all? I yeah. mean, can't we all? So it was when you were given those the, those sides mm. and, and you went into that first conversation with Ron, was it clear that there was going to be a journey for your character? 
because like otherwise I mean sometimes like you come in and as the bad guy and then you stay just like the the bad guy who's who's not going to change at all but was it clear that it was actually going to be a journey for both Book and Sam yeah I mean I I I, th- I think so I mean I I could only assume yeah. that it would. I mean, I guess also Ron's work speaks for itself, right? It does. Yeah. And I, I think, yeah, I don't think that he's there to demonize, you know, he's Metis. So he's, mm. he's, he has that, that dichotomy of white and native. And I think that he understands that there's a dialogue, there's tension and there's, there's commonality. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, I, 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 my hope was that this guy wasn't going to be stuck. That, and and again, as we've talked about, when I approach a role like this, I always think in terms of how how can I advocate for this guy, and mm-hmm. how can I challenge an audience to to go, oh, I hate myself, but I kind of like him, and I think that he also wrote that guy. I think his feedback to me in that first conversation was you can't believe how many people how many women and because his company he's surrounded with by women yeah he said women really respond to this guy you know so i thought well great we're on the same page and these two parallel lines that are sam woodburn and and book yeah that they do skew towards each other in you know, sometimes it's glacially slow, but I believe that they're, they, they have one thing in common. Neither one of them um, have a real foothold. Sam is called a traitor to her own people. Book is not connecting with this, the, you know, the young white cops, and they're certainly not connected with each other. So they're looking for some sort of anchor. Yeah. And I think ultimately because of circumstance, they find it in each other. Yeah. What I loved uh, about uh, during our previous conversation about this for Prince, and I will put a link to that article in the footnotes for this episode, but you described the show, actually, I, I will give, you, you said that Ron described the show as a character-driven procedural. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Because there are not that many character-driven procedurals no. around. I mean, well, you have the, the, the procedural that people you know that Dick Wolf made uh, his massive massive fortune on yeah and uh, you know it with law and order God bless I mean it's people love that show but the characters the lead characters are sort of interchangeable you don't really go back and learn that much it's more about how they solve the crime or the lives they save. Cop, uh, prosecutor, and, yeah, and criminal. Like it's the same. Yeah. So the so the regulars on those shows, well, Law and Order. It went yeah. from Michael Moriarty and Sorvino and Jerry Orbach and on and on and yeah. it changed Sam Waterston. Uh, they're archetypes. Was, yeah, they're yeah. archetypal, and all of the the jam gets given to the guest stars who come on. Um, and then you've got the character driven shows like The Sopranos and Breaking Bad. And then those, and so Ron wanted to try something different because it, Blackstone was so character driven, mm. so in your face that he thought, well, you know, I would like to, I'd love people to be able to hook into a crime of the week. But on top of that, these two people, we really want to learn about them. And certainly as an actor, I mean, it's so rewarding to work on a show 
that is character driven where you you're not just the guy doing the job it's you you get to sort of crack these people open a little bit and he's understand. making fists and yeah making <laughs> um hulk <laughs> smash <laughs> we've seen you hulk smash or or completely break apart and break down which is always my favorite i mean mm-hmm. romeo section was was that arc for your character and that was just yeah, brilliant he wrote a really really beautiful guy yeah but this show okay so had you worked in that kind of realm exploring the relationship between, you know, settler Canada and the First Nations peoples before? Or is this your first time really exploring that through the work? Well, you know, I did um, a mini series a couple years ago, three, four, five years ago. I lose track of time called Klondike, which oh. was this wonderful six, six hour, two, four, six, three part four part something like that that's a lot of math I need to go to the school next door with Richard Madden <laughs> and uh, Sam Shepard I got to work with oh, some wow. incredible folks and that was also about colonialism in the you know in a sense in Klondike and the gold rush yeah. and, and about corporate greed so I've I've been a part of that world but never really explored um, and been um, honored enough to work with so many indigenous performers and mm. working on the reservation outside of Calgary and Tutsina. Um, I'm sure I'm pronouncing that wrong. But um, this was my first foray into into that mythology. Yeah. Um, and, and what did you learn? Like, Because I'm assuming even those of us who are are progressives and woke and have good hearts. Mm-hmm. Part of part of being a woke person and checking your privilege is admitting that you really that there, you, there's there's a lot to be learned, you know, and that you have to listen and that there are flaws in your thinking. So even Absolutely. you as a wonderfully progressive woke person, you're still a white man who has not lived that life. So That's tell exactly me about right. some of the what you learned, you know, stepping into into that production, you know, and then wor- working in that environment. Mm. Well, I mean, the it, the working was amazing. And to a man, everybody on our crew, cast, white, indigenous, Asian, you know, Middle Eastern descent, everybody got on board. It was a beautiful, beautiful group of people who um, staked a claim in this problem solving. Um, Ron early on said something to me just in conversation that, I really took to heart, you know, when we're here and we sit in the arts club or we go see the theater, they always make that announcement that we are we are honored to be performing on the ceded land. And and Ron said it, it always it, it always the unceded land, the unceded of, the land of the Musqueamish, you know, it. OK, na- yeah. exactly. Slay with First Nations. Yes. Well, what Ron said to me was it's like it's all our land, every bit of it. And, I, and, and for me, that was like, oh, okay, well, right away, that's a different perspective, yeah. you know, indigenous versus, you know, the colonial settlers. Mm-hmm. Um, so right away, I, I, I just appreciate moving through this world and what a gift it is that we are, that we are allowed <laughs> to be here. Yeah. Um, and, and it's not a, just a Canadian thing. I mean, it's a it's everywhere you go. I mean, there are there were indigenous people who 
were forced out or massacred or massacred yeah. or or put into camps and um, certainly marginalized. So, yeah, I I am a I I swing way left in terms of my politics um, and being an American and a Canadian. But it it really doesn't make any difference. You 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 have to acknowledge the fact that you are in a weird sense one of the enemy in in the in the broadest sense yep. and unless you you can sort of cast yourself that way there's there's no moving from there yeah you know i i i have very little to say about the experience of someone who has been there. I, I, I acknowledge my privilege. Um, and, and I think what else can you do? Yeah. Well, one thing that I think you can do and why I was so interested, eager, excited, enthusiastic to get you into the studio today mm. uh, is, is to learn through even something like entertainment, you know? So, like, to learn about how other people think and feel uh, through different character arcs, you know? So, like, I, how, what role do you see entertainment, I mean, in this case, television, a series like Tribal, mm. playing in what I'm going to term, like, the decolonization of, you know, of the Canadian culture, of the Canadian mindset, you know, to breaking through... Very a stubbornness and in unwillingness to admit, you know, that we are all c- complicit in in how the in the status quo. Like, what what role do you think tribal can play in that? Yeah, shame too. I mean, I think shame. there's a certain amount of shame um, if you really look at it. Um, you know, I I think that um, what I love about playing this character is that we don't often get to see that world through the prism of somebody who is who has very very he doesn't cop to being a racist in episode three you'll see there's a beautiful beautiful scene one of my favorite scenes of the season where they talk about the the term Indian giver and and he has to sit back and defend his racism but certainly art can it's just we're just storytelling right Mm. we're telling stories and so and you create a mythology and what's great about a fictional mythology is that there is nothing there's nothing binding you except your own imagination so wouldn't it be amazing in a world where a guy who has a history and prejudice against indigenous people um finds himself sitting in front of a computer screen one day looking at the faces of indigenous women and and men who are missing and murdered yeah. and and we get to see him affected by that in a way that perhaps he'd never been before so the, those moments and certainly and I'm getting choked up th- talking about that moment because it was very important for for me he had written it, Ron had written it, but we were not really attending to the shot the way that I thought the shot needed to be attended to. And I said, we have to push in on him. We, we have to create something where we see this old white dude, this racist white dude who is responsible and has been in his past 
for marginalizing um, an indigenous people. And we have to see in that moment that acknowledgement of complicity and shame. Mm. And, and so that's what it can do. It can say, well, even if it, we don't live in that world, wouldn't it be amazing if? Yeah. And can't we hold this up as a possibility? Because if we can hold it up in our art as a possibility, then it's possible. Yeah. Right? I can't wait to see that scene. Yeah, it's a, that's <laughs> later on in the season. But uh, because we do, you know, it starts off um, crime of the week, crime of the week with this sense of these two characters and, and where on this path they yeah. lie. Almost heading for collision, you know. Well, yeah. A coll- be, and, and how the world outside spins in such a way that they they need to trust each other and they need to defend each other. And wow cool huh you know these yeah. two people who live in completely different worlds yeah um when you were when you were building the the inner life for your character and seeking to understand him what kind of conversations did you have if any at all with jessica about about sam like when you were building do you have to think about the person that you're going to be you know who the person who is your scene partner mm. when you are building your your own character well, um, so as soon as I found out um, that that Jessica was doing this, I went online and I and I saw all these incredible photographs of her, and I'm like, oh my god, she's such a what a badass! Yeah. Um, in reality, she's a big nerd, which is so <laughs> amazing. And the and the and and so I called her. And hey, you can be a nerd and a badass. Okay, that's the two true. are not mutually. Exclusive. No, it's not mutually exclusive. <laughs> and and she is certainly encapsulates all that stuff. I'm just a nerd. <laughs> <laughs> but she's like she's bad. She's like a head taller than me. Yeah. Like it was. But I reached out to her and I and and right away, just in our in our little um, texts. Um, I got that how cool she was and that she was a worker and 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 really excited about this. Then we got together. We we only had a couple of days really to, to sort of hang out. And, um, you know, my feeling is always that everything you need to play the character is on the page. Mm. And and that's the amazing thing about writing your imagination and those words and so I didn't really steep myself in like I've played serial killers and racists and I played a lot of cops and all that stuff. But everything is dictated by what's on the page. Yeah. We shot eight episodes at the same time. We block shot eight, which is unheard of. We had, I believe the word is bonkers. It is bonkers. Yeah, and, and I believe the word I used <laughs> over and over again preceded by fucking <laughs> was undoable. <laughs> My wife, Nancy, had to listen to me. This is fucking undoable. This is undoable. We can't do this because we had, usually you get about seven days to shoot an hour of television and you average anywhere between six and nine pages a day. Yeah. We had eight weeks, 40 days to shoot eight hours of TV and then there were um, fires in Alberta, um, northern Alberta, near Edmonton and... Um, we lost a day. So in 39 days, we had days where we were shooting 18 pages of dialogue. Uh, uh, impossible. <laughs> 
fucking ex- undoable. Fucking undoable. And Except yet- <laughs> that Ron, Ron would be like, hey, buddy, we got this. We're good. We got this. Don't worry. I got your back. And uh, we did it. So uh, who's to say what's undoable? I mean, um, I guess not you. <laughs> no, not anymore. Oh, that's Brian. Not if anymore. it's doable or not, because he really doesn't. I have a few stories in my know. career that I thought were, were impossible. Yeah. You know, that, but time, you know, Einstein was right. It is relative. Yeah. I had a week to replace Kevin Spacey on Broadway. One week, I was sobbing when I got on the plane from Los Angeles to New York. I thought, there's, there's no way. I'm going to make a fool of myself. This is, I'm going to make a yeah. fool of myself. And, and I've been cast the night before in a lead role because they lost an actor and had, had to have 10, 11 pages of dialogue that I had. So nothing's impossible. Yeah. If you get out of your way. Wow. Brian Markinson can come in and be the pinch hitter yeah. as well. Yeah. Please, please <laughs> producers out there, do not call me. It's t- I'm, I'm 58 now. It takes, it takes too much. Hiring professional performers makes all the difference to the success of any recorded media project. Did you know that the Union of BC Performers, ACTRA, provides agreements for all budgets and types of productions, including commercials, TV series and movies, feature films, from big budget to Canadian indies and student films, animation series, video games, web series, and even streaming video on demand, like Netflix? For instance, our highly successful UBCP ACTRA Ultra Low Budget Agreement encourages and facilitates artistic collaboration between professional performers and independent producers who wish to produce very low budget or even no budget productions. No matter what your budget, we've got you covered, and you too can benefit from UBCP ACTRA's award winning world class performers. So, if you need actors, voiceover artists, stunt coordinators, stunt performers, singers, dancers, puppeteers, stand-ins, background performers, ranging across any age or demographic, then just contact us at UBCP ACTRA. Make your project the very best that it can be. This message was read by a UBCP ACTRA member. Go to ubcp.com for more information. What were some of the um, the, the memorable m- moments from filming? Like when you look back, when I look back at some of you know the pr- producing the show, like there are moments where I, that I immediately go to when I think about like you know being in the in the mud. I was not in the mud with my laptop and whatever, but like the, metaphorically in the mud, you know. And mm. that they're what I will always think of when I think about pulling this all together. What about what about you? T- take it. Take us. Take us to the set. To the mud. Well, the first nine days we were out on the reservation in Tetsina, which is a huge reservation that that is just on the outskirts of the metropolitan. Did area. you film out of order then? Oh, oh, we filmed everything out of order because we had we shot eight episodes at once, so everything was site specific. So there were days when we were shooting from episode one, three, eight, and and so the one thing I said to Ron was. Please do not ask us to track the tone of this thing. You and you just let us know where we are on on this scope, and let us just sort of be subjective. And we'll throw stuff against the wall. We'll jump as high as you want us to jump. 
but you have this is up to you to be the objective it's fucking undoable <laughs> it's fucking undoable <laughs> that's bonkers exactly oh my god eight episodes simultaneously and you never really know where you are in the no it, you, wow no you have a sense of what the crime is yeah. that you're doing but then this is what the great thing is about playing the scenes it's yeah. like i'm gonna play the scene if you see for whatever reason that i'm 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 too too far along in terms of the whole trust thing with yeah. sam you have to pull us back from there so so ron knew ron, ron always knew where you were he wrote every episode. Yes. He and so Adam, he knew even if you didn't always know. Correct. Okay. And I would say, <laughs> thank God for Ron. Help me, please. <laughs> and we had a couple of days. Like Jess had a day where we're. <laughs> she won't mind me telling this story. Um. So. Are you sure? No, I'm not sure, but I'm going to tell it anyway. <laughs> uh, so, so, you know, the last three weeks we were doing 15, 16. Like it was a ton. We were in the old. Um, 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 Greyhound building and that was our cop shop Yeah. so we had huge days and Jess was laughing at me because when I looked at that schedule and I showed her and I said this is fucking undoable and she was like you're just a little bitch <laughs> <laughs> I said you have no idea she's like no, stop whining we're gonna get through this so cut to because the first the first nine days oh, first, sorry, I need a <laughs> it's true she didn't say "biad." She just said, "You're a little, You're bitch. A little bitch." You're a little oh bitch, God, Brian. Brian. Oh. And I said, "Okay, Woo! okay, we'll I need see." A cigarette now. And I wow. know. <laughs> that was good. To have to have her call me a little bitch. Well, I am a little bitch, <laughs> but she doesn't have to <laughs> actually voice I'm that sentence. Crying. That's so I funny. I know. Oh. So at any rate, we're we're in the last the last week of shooting when we're going, and and we have like. Five page scenes, like a lot of lot of material. Yeah, I had five days off. She had not one day off. That woman never made no complaint. She's I have such incredible love and respect for that actor yeah. Jessica Matten. She is the real deal. She gets better and better every single day. She's I want her to be the next. If there's an uh, an, an indigenous superhero, she she mm-hmm. should be it. Marvel. Um, but at any rate, so. She's in the midst of it, and she we're we're going through, and she's and she's dropping words, and she had a big speech, and she's just and she I can see her she's getting more and more upset, and she was like, I need a second. She walked into the green room, and I walked back with her, and they were lighting the scene, and we're laughing, and and in the midst of a joke that I told, she's she's. <laughs> she said, Brian. I said, what? And she goes, I think I'm gonna cry. <laughs> And I said, go ahead, sweetie. And she just, like, the waterworks went. Yeah. Because you hit the wall sometimes. It's a pressure valve. Yeah. So what I remember as well as, as, as how much fun everything was and how much we laughed on set and how cool it was to be allowed onto the re- reservation, um, all, all of those, those sort of set piece days, what I remember most of all is how hard we worked and and how little time it was and how the impossible was made possible by just positive thinking and a willingness a willingness to just do yeah. the work, right? Yeah. Positive thinking, but also you on the sidelines, you know, going, this is fucking undoable. Yeah. Well, I mean, we were cheerleaders for each other. She took care of me when I hit the wall. Yeah. 
and I hit the wall once. So, so, you know, you forget sometimes you're mic'd and uh, I, I would never take it out on anybody, but I would sit there in the middle of a scene just going motherfucking sh-, like, like every conceivable word, fucking motherfucking and Ron as your character me. would <laughs> as my as as the as character of Brian Markinson, <laughs> the actor who is fucking undoable. Um, and Ron came up to me one day and said, "Can I talk to you for a minute?" And he took me into the green room and he spanked me. He said, "You can't do that." And I said, "I wasn't yelling at anybody, but Ron, you have to understand, like, like we're really being good soldiers, and every once in a while, you just have to." You just fall apart. It reminded me of uh, cooking for a hundred people at a at a camp for schizophrenic and autistic kids that my friend made me go and do. He he ran this camp, and I found myself sobbing over uh, in the middle of making a two hundred peanut butter and jelly sandwiches where you just hit the wall sometimes. Yeah, and then you just have to go. I can't do this. I give up. I wave the flag. So at any rate, that that's that that was that's what I remember most is that you you know you just you, you just carry on. So I mean this show has already been renewed. You're gonna be going hmm. back and putting on boots skin suit. That sounds really morbid. That's but. horrible. His skin suit. <laughs> His skin suit. Exactly. That's <laughs> like Buffalo Bill from Silence of the Lambs. <laughs> she puts the lotion on his skin. <laughs> but but you know so is it do you, are you guys going to get some extra days is there like what I've do you asked. carry with you into season two or is there the worry that if you get more days more funds more mm. more breathing room that you can't make the magic happen no I think uh, no you're like please give us no, more give us more days <laughs> we're doing ten episodes in oh. in season two which is great. Yeah. And so we'll 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 have they're going to get some extra. They're also Ron is in the process of shopping now that he has uh, a locked um, season or close to it. Yeah, he is now out to Netflix and Amazon and Hulu and and these streaming services that have carried Blackstone. Yeah, and he's looking for for more money. Yeah. Um, because it does, it checks a, a lot of boxes for them because there's a whole new mandate with uh, Netflix that they want to bring indigenous storytelling. Mm-hmm. To, and they certainly are, they're sitting on $40 billion of cash. Yeah. So. Um, it's made for streaming services, especially when it, you have that character driven procedural. I mean, mm. you like to, yeah, it's the crime of the week, but then you also have that journey. I mean, that's right. what I love mm-hmm. from when I'm binging. Yeah, shows, I mean, I, you know? I mean, I love to binge too. And, and so, and the paradigm has shifted now. They've got all that money because they're making $10.99, $15, whatever it is, every month. Yeah, I spend a lot of money on all my streaming services. Yeah. You know, I actually need like a cable bundle. For all my streaming services yeah, that yeah. I watch, I love that. It. Would be so. That would be great. I, I storytelling. Just, so I know that you are, and it is all about storytelling, right? Like that's mm. just what I want. That's what I, I go and I just mainline a bunch of stories, you know. But like I know. Okay, so ho- hopefully. Uh, Tribal will go for many, many seasons, yeah, and you're going to be so. wearing the skin suit for for <laughs> years and years. But you know, how do you think this experience? Of, of living in this in in book and and working on tribal has changed you as an artist as you move on to other projects 
Well, it spoils me for one because I love playing the guy. And whenever you have a, a ton of meat on 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 the bone, and a lot that to, sounds really weird after we were talking about skin suits. That's true. It spoils you. Yeah. Uh, I'm. I've been very, very fortunate in in my career, having come from the United States and been able to um, play really fantastic roles. Uh, as Canadian actors, sometimes we don't get a chance. Uh, I just finished a um, a series for Netflix called Away, which is a um, about the first manned mission to Mars, and uh, <gasps> I which didn't is know that. yeah, it's really really cool. But you know, I was not after after playing that guy and really delving into the humanity. You know, as I like to tell my students, you have stories that you tell that are about scaling Everest, mm -hmm. and there are stories that you tell about going to the corner store and buying a quart of milk. And you have to stay true to those stories. So my story, in a way, I play the head of NASA. Um, my story is like going to the corner store a lot of the time and, and, and buying milk. But I can't play that story like I'm climbing Everest. It, it just doesn't, it doesn't do justice. It doesn't support the project. Right. So it spoils you when you get to play guys like this. And I've been fortunate in my career that I've had you know, uh, more than my share of guys that I love playing. I could see playing him for um, five seasons easy if if they'll let us. And I think that there's a lot of storytelling. Um, there's a lot of fodder for for important storytelling. Yeah. Like we did an episode on the one that's coming up is about um, uh, the pipeline before all everything amazing yeah i mean yeah. we get into missing and indigenous women we get into and men i should say um so we get to touch on a lot there yeah we're gonna deal he ron has all, all already pitched us aspects of the next season and and there's a lot of great stuff oh, yeah coming. there's a lot of stuff going on in the in the zeitgeist now for sure absolutely yeah well i am is it is it, str it it feels strange for me to say how how much I love the show and how I entertaining I find it, mm. given how important I also feel it is, and given how how serious what is going on in the zeitgeist actually is. But yeah, I do love the show, and I can't wait to watch it. And I can't wait to get to know your character even more. It gets better and better and yeah. better. Yeah, and love to love to hate him. Is there is there anything else that you feel that potential viewers of Tribal should know? Um, it's on APTN mm -hmm. on Thursdays at nine o'clock Eastern, I think. So give us a ch give us a shot. I mean, we have we it was so nice about John Doyle's uh, the if I'm allowed to 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 talk about you can talk about that, and I will be including a link to John Doyle's perfect. article in the footnotes for this episode because as well. you know Ron and APTN they have because of of Blackstone they have their uh, uh their audience they have a fan base that are yeah. going to um they're going to follow him uh so that's that but john and the globe and mail gave us a wonderful review and you know we're still every you know a show finds its legs and i and i feel like we we started to find our legs more and more and more and more uh 
and it took it took Blackstone a, a full season That's before right. they really got that sense of what the look of the show was. And this is a completely different animal. So I, I think that it. I just would love people to give uh, give us a chance and to try to go out of their way to find it. They also stream on Lumi. Yes, I was going to say you because ah. you said Thursdays at nine. And I'm like, okay, so how I've been experiencing the show okay. is on the APTN uh, app called Lumi. Lumi, and uh, it's the easiest thing to download. And uh, and actually, it's it's L U M I. I will put a link to it also in the oh, footnotes for awesome. this one. Uh, and you know, the the joy of Lumi is that it's also it's a gateway to indigenous stories and storytellers. So you go for tribal and then stay for everything else because mm-hmm. there's a, there are some incredible documentaries and other series and kids series and everything. Oh, amazing! You know, it's honestly, an, it's indigenous Netflix. I mean, that's essentially what the the idea is a streaming service. And we so. could all use we could l- listen. We can all use. Uh, another perspective yes um and and uh, they do it very very well yeah mm. and you do it very well thank you thank you brian for coming back and you're going to come back again right any any time i've any I've, I've heard tell of uh, you have so many ideas cooking so in your uh, that i can't say but i've heard and i'm ex- really excited about a couple of the ones that you've uh, that you've yeah. some light on yeah i mean it's because I don't know. Like there's, there is. I, I'm, I'm the biggest fan of this community and the stories that come out of this community. So I just, I just want everybody else to, to experience the work and to be celebrated. Mm-hmm. And uh, like, so uh, I'm sorry. Before you go, yeah. what are you nerding out about right now? Like, what are you binging? Oh my gosh. Well, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm reading a book uh, uh, called How to Change Your Mind, which is about the history of how hallucinogenics have are now there's 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 you know it started out the government was behind it yeah and then after what happened at harvard with leary they banned it and now they're using it for end of life treatment and Mm -hmm. depression and uh so i'm i'm sort of nerding out on on uh on hallucinogenics it brought me back to my 20s in new york city (laughs) (sighs) um and uh I want to see, you've mentioned that a lot today. Yeah. Uh, I need a series about your 20s in New York City. Oh, no, you don't. Yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) You're like, some things get to stay private. It would be called, uh, it would be called um, going home at eight o'clock in the morning when everybody is up on their way to work is what that would be called. That was me and my, just a couple, couple of years. My parents are both passed. Otherwise they'd be, well, they're all rolling over and whatever. They totally knew. They didn't. No, I was such a good boy until I hit twenty. This is a whole other podcast. Yeah, but um, I want to do that podcast. Yeah, we could do that. <laughs> Just talk about all your the shame of your twenties. Yeah, um, and then you know, um, Succession is a series that yeah. I dig, and um, you know, Fleabag. I, I'm trying to think of the the new stuff. Oh. I just watched a great documentary about who killed Malcolm X. Oh. Which is a documentary, like a five-part documentary about uh, a deep dive into uh, the FBI and the Nation of Islam's complicity in his murder. It's an amazing documentary. I think okay, wow. Five parts. I love a good five-part documentary. Oh, me too. Yeah. That's fantastic. <laughs> Especially when it, like, when it, it challenges uh, the... Uh, way that history has already been written in history books you know like because wow okay you've given me a lot to think about and um can you want to you have any uh pluggables you want to plug where can our fans find you on the social media um 
Oh, at Brian Markinson uh, is Twitter and also Instagram, and then they can uh, you can come and friend me. I know I have, as I say on my hand, I said in retrospect, I wish I would have picked a cooler handle. At Brian Markinson, that's you. It. Just seem so pained when you had to say your handles and. I'm just... not a luddite, but I kind of am a luddite. If you ask my kids, mm. I don't. I'm not on there enough. I, I people jump ship because they're. I don't post enough. Yeah, but that's a whole. There's a whole other podcast that that we can talk about. Okay, so we have lots of. So you don't have a TikTok. I don't have a TikTok. I have I have a watch. Is that what you're talking about? No. Okay. You you should stop talking now. <laughs> All right, to our listeners, thank you so much for joining us. Please like and subscribe. Leave us a review if you are so inclined. They help us find even more listeners. You can find us at www.yvrscreenscene.com. You can follow us on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram at YVR Screen Scene. The YVR Screen Scene podcast is hosted and executive produced by me, Sabrina Furminger. And it's produced and edited by Simon Furminger. Special thanks to Mariana Furminger for recording our Patreon ad and to Tyson Braddock and Paul Furminger, we're a family business, for technical support and to Dane, not Furminger, Devolet for the original music. YVR Screen Scene is a division of Fish Flight Entertainment. Join us next time for another deep dive into Vancouver's dynamic film and television scene. And... <laughs>